Today is, um, in the Christian calendar, a significant day. You may not have realized it. We know of Christmas. We know of Easter. But as we enter, even prior to Easter, is a rhythm of Christians in Lent to prepare for Easter. And then post-Easter, there's this day of ascension that we talked about where we remember that was the day that Jesus ascended into heaven. And then 10 days after that, in a significant day around our world, is what's called Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost is something that they had been celebrating and remembering for 1,500 years before this happened. But we're going to stop and pause and look at this story today. And you may go, what do I do with that story? My encouragement for you is to just enjoy, because this story is kind of like the coming together of all of the story of God before that time, up until this time, and it has something so tangible and real for you today. So just journey with me, if you will. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for these seniors that they have... um, that they have accomplished this amazing accomplishment, but you have so much more going out before them, Father. So we pray for them and bless them. God, be with us today. Help us to see something new and real in a story that may feel old. It may feel scary for some. It may feel like I knew the church I grew up in, we avoided this story because what we could not explain, we stayed away from. God, may we embrace what we cannot explain so that we see you in new and real ways. In your name, amen. Obviously, trying to converse with somebody who speaks a different language than you can be very difficult. A lot of hand signs, a lot of like, what I've discovered is if someone speaks a different language, we often think speaking louder might help. And we end up yelling at the person as if if I say it louder, they then get me. Years ago, I was in Russia, um, and it was just me and another guy, and we had two uh, interpreter translators. For some reason, the two interpreter translators took the afternoon off, which isn't really helpful at all. So it was just me and the pastor of the church. The pastor of the church only spoke Russian. I only spoke English. He kind of asked me, I think, do you speak anything else? Not knowing it would be actually used, I said, oh, I speak a little Spanish because I had a few semesters of Spanish in college. He then said something to me that implied, stay here. He went down the street and he had a friend who had another friend visiting. His friend spoke Russian and German. His friend from Germany was visiting, spoke German and Spanish. So he was convinced this was gonna be, so he brought them all over. And I'm just sitting there, he spoke in Russian, and then he spoke in German, and then the German spoke in Spanish, and then the pastor was looking at me like, I'm going to communicate with Dale. There was something about a red car and potatoes. (laughs) That's all I really got, and I'm like, okay. It It was a train wreck. We often, you know, we have these tools even today, Google Translate, we can uh, get the literal translation. Google introduced a few weeks ago, there's these glasses they're working on that you could be listening to someone speaking another language and it's like typing out on the lenses what, what they're saying. But it's still a bit transactional. There's something different when we hear our native tongue 
the tongue that was, the, the words that we heard around a dinner table, maybe when we were young, the words that we heard from our parents. I know for my wife, her first language is Japanese, and whenever she speaks Japanese with her parents, there's a different demeanor, there's a different thing that comes out because it's the tongue that she first learned. And for these people to enter into Jerusalem and hear some of the wonders of God for the first time in their language, how God feels about them, the language of their heart. You see, they were Jewish people, and they learned Hebrew to, to converse on the level of religion. But they had a different tongue because years before, their forefathers had sinned and they'd been cast into exile away from the promised land to many, many lands. And they learned the tongue wherever they lived. But there's so much more to this story and there's so much more to what we can experience today. As always, we should understand the context of what's going on here. You see, people were back in Jerusalem. They had uh, conversed, they had traveled to this space for this festival, which was often the case for Passover and for the different rituals and the different festivals of their high holy days, if you will. They came to celebrate what they referred to as the festival of seven weeks. And it was a festival that celebrated the harvest. It would start the day after Passover and they would celebrate and they're there for then. And then 50 days later, they would celebrate what in Greek is called Pentecost. It also represents 50 days after Passover was when Moses went to Mount Sinai to get the law after the first Passover. So this tradition, this rhythm, not only goes from Moses saying to celebrate the harvest, it goes back to the very beginning of freedom from slavery to the wilderness where God delivers the law. So this was a super important day that they had, that they had celebrated 1,500 times or so by this point. They weren't expecting anything different. And then there's this group we believe it's about 120 that they say in the first chapter of Acts. This would be the group of not only the 11 disciples at this point, because Judas had taken his own life, but also like a group of people that also were committed to following Jesus. This included women and men. This included his mother and maybe some women that were looked at in certain ways of, of, of being with many, many men potentially to the point where they met Jesus. This was an eclectic group of 120 that waited. Because one of the things Jesus said to them is, stay here and wait. So for 10 days they prayed, they waited. Looking back, 10 days doesn't feel very long. But sometimes when you are anticipating, can't 10 days seem like an eternity? Like each day? And there's no way what they were praying for was this. There's no way they anticipated what was about to come. But this day started with an act of obedience from people who waited. Let me read this once again. Suddenly, like the blowing of a violent wind, the sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and God filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem some God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. 
utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans, which is actually kind of a reference to their uneducation. Sure, it's where they were from, but they're like, aren't these like outcasts? This isn't really the educated group. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? So we can hear and read this story and go, what's in it for me today? But it, this would also be, if we just talk just about the story, it'd be like grabbing a piece of a movie. Like if you showed up or turned on a TV or you came home and your family was watching a movie halfway through and you jump in and try to make observations halfway through because this story is halfway through. My daughter was home for a few days and she saw maybe two episodes of that show, This Is Us. And Lisa and I were watching like the second to last episode of This Is Us. If you've seen that show, it's a story that's being told about like six different stages in their life, right? Before they have kids, when their kids are young, when their kids, and, and they go back and forth all the time. So of course, my daughter being who she is had constant questions about what was going on. That was really a fun time. I mean, it was an amazing episode, but my wonderful daughter, who I love deeply and care about, ruined that event for me. <laughs> so we have to pull back. We have to pull back and see what the greater storyline is because we're going to get something different. So how far do we pull back? Do we pull back to Jesus, which a few months earlier said, I'm going to send somebody? Do we pull back to Joel, that's quoted in here, which is 500 years before? Now, we probably should go back to the very beginning. I've warned you a few weeks ago, often over the next decades of my life here, I'm going to say, this, let's go back to the beginning. Because so many things start in one way, then they get better. What's true about the gospel, and if this part is left out of the gospel, which we're going to go into next week, it's a partial gospel. That God created things perfect. God created things right. That, sorry. It just moves me a little bit. So often we just hope. So often we just start with, you sinned, you need Jesus. And we forget, no, God started things perfect. His intention was perfect. It was our choice. So heaven and earth is unified. It's good. Heaven and earth, God's human, God and humanity uh, related in intimacy. There was no separation. God spoke with Adam and Eve, and, and God said, it is good. What that means is like God is like, I'm here with you, and that's how it started. But then sin entered into the world out of a choice of dis disobedience and pride, and these circles that we see started to separate, be pulled away. But there's going to be this one place. We see God show up on earth in different ways at different times. See, he shows up in that space between heaven and earth. Sometimes it's his spirit. And in Hebrew, it's ruach. I don't really do that guttural thing very well, so we'll just go ruah. And the word ruah shows up when in the Old Testament Hebrew when it's talking about breath. Same word when it's talking about wind. It's the same word when it's talking about God's spirit. So it's a force that you cannot see. It is a life that you appreciate, but you're even not aware of how many times you breathe in and out. For the ancient Hebrews, everything was spiritual. 
That's why Jesus in his conversation with, uh, uh, with the Pharisees said like, the wind moves things, but you can't see the wind. All throughout the Old Testament, there's these things about the spirit that he shows up as wind and breath. In that middle space there throughout the Old Testament, God shows up as fire. In these moments, he penetrates into our world. We know about this fire in the bush, this burning bush that Moses saw. Do you remember that? If you don't, re-watch The Prince of Egypt. It's a Disney film. It's in there. It says there, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire. From within a bush, Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And, God, and Moses said, here am I. God penetrated that space between heaven and earth with fire. We're also told that God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments. And the visualization is that a fire had descended upon Mount Sinai, a mountain that, that Moses traversed to meet God. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire and the smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the mountain trembled violently. And later when God took residence in the tabernacle, the mobile place in the wilderness that the Israelites kept with them, when God entered that spot, the sign there was that there was fire in that distinct area. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of the Lord of the Israelites during their travels. So we see wind with the spirit in the middle of that spot. We see fire from God in specific areas. We also know that God spoke to prophets in that area. Then when Jesus came, he now took residence in that area. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So in those circles of heaven and earth, Jesus now is in that spot where God showed up over time about fire and with wind, and then Jesus begins to take residence. And when Jesus came, he made a very clear declaration. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God, that's another thing. Over the next decade or so, plus we're together, you're going to hear the kingdom of God because it is a significant thing. What does that mean, the kingdom of God has come near? It says the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom has come near is now Jesus took residence in that place that God touched time to time with fire and wind and the spirit. And now Jesus goes, I'm in this spot. The kingdom of God has come near that I'm now taking residence for a period of time right here. The kingdom is here, but it's not fully here. So on this day of unique Pentecost, and this is what is so amazing to me, this is not something brand new, it's just renewed with a distinct new purpose with everything coming together, his story coming together, with wind and fire and presence. You see, there's two things that jump out. There was a sound like the blowing of a violent wind from heaven. 
was a sound. It was something they heard. What we hear is spiritual. Because we don't always see things, but we can hear things. It was something they only heard, something to be caught by the ear, the sense of an invisible force or power. And then there was these tongues of fire. It was something they saw. They heard the power and they saw the power. But here it is. If I've lost you, this fire was not just over one place. What difference does this make now? Let me jump to now. If you're in the mindset that we go to meet God only when we go to church, that would be the mindset that the fire is just over church. That God's presence is just over a building. And this was a group of people that traveled for miles and miles and miles to the temple to meet God. This was a transitional time. This was a mind-blowing time. The continuing story of God is unfolding. His fire wasn't just over one place, like the bush, like Mount Sinai, like the tabernacle. Look at this line. Tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. His fire wasn't in one place, but now over each individual. At this point, God is now existing in individuals. In individuals. In you. This is a significant transition time in the history and in the story of God that he started to unfold from himself from the very beginning. This is a, a story to not be afraid of. This is the story we as a church, we as a people, you as a person go, that's my day. That's the day that God made me a temple of him. You may not have been born yet, but that's the day. That's the day that we are the bush, that we are Mount Sinai, that we are the tabernacle. Hmm. There's a couple of they's in this story. They had been praying, the 120 that had followed Jesus and were looking for something. And then there are the they's that heard this sound and a crowd that came together in bewilderment. They experienced the spirit in action. They saw some things they'd never seen before. They heard some things they'd never seen before. What is their response? Ha, huh, they're drunk. Come on, some of you, you see some crazy things and you're like, hmm. I met some crazy fans on a train after a Niner game and they were a little lippy. I can get a little lippy, but there's no uh, liquid courage in me I just get a little lippy. But they ask this pertinent question, which I would say, seniors, this is the question you should keep asking. For all of us, we should keep asking. They amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? What is this? You see, there's a few things. Back early in the story of God, back early in the Bible, there was a group of people who were building a tower. They had come together. 
and said, if we can build this tower, we can be with God, be like God. It's known as the Tower of Babel. God's response to this, these people were this. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. Early on in the story of God, he differentiated languages. And at this point, it was out of discipline. He changed the languages to rebuke them so that they couldn't align themselves anymore. But then on this day, with the spirit moving, he redeems all those languages back. Each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these things, all these who are speaking Galileans, then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. So it was what was part of the story years ago and long before God confused the language. He's now saying, this is the day I'm redeeming them all back together. You will hear my truth, my love in your native language. The second thing of what does this mean? There was a covenant before Jesus that God had made with his Israelites that if you obey me, I will bless you. If you rebel against me, you will be cast apart. You will be exiled. What he's telling them, the exile's over. You're all welcome now. You're all back again. The things that the prophets spoke against and spoke for were all coming in to play now. Then Jesus made this statement while talking with his disciples a statement that no doubt confused them. But for the kingdom to grow, it had to happen. See, Jesus was in that space, right? And the disciples loved that. Here's our guy. Now, can you imagine how they felt? He died and then he rose again and they could touch him and hang out with him. Those 40 days must have been amazing. And in their minds, like, here we go. But then he left again. And he's like, I have to leave. I'm sure the conversation was like, no, you don't. Come on, you don't really have to leave. He's like, no, I do. Because what he's referring to is right now, my kingdom is isolated in this spot. If the Holy Spirit doesn't come, my kingdom will not advance like I know it will. He says this, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. And unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You see, there's this ministry that the Holy Spirit has. It's around the kingdom expansion. It's around moving to different places. You see, the kingdom begins to expand because the Spirit is now in multiple temples. Now, here it is. And these temples for the first time, are mobile. They go where they want to go. You go where you want to go. 
You see, if God's presence stayed isolated in a person or in a temple, all the enemy has to do is attack that temple. But when God's presence is now in all those who follow him, all those who believe, and the temple is now multiplied, and the temple is now mobile, do you see why Jesus starts to say, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world? We have one accuser. He's got a bunch of things that bother us. But we have millions of temples around this earth. If the Holy Spirit didn't come, we wouldn't see this. So now in this interlocking circles that we have where God visited with fire and he visited with the Spirit and Jesus came, we now have the Holy Spirit. How does the kingdom advance? The temple's mobile. And now there's mobile temples all over this world. You are that temple. You carry the Holy Spirit with you. Now, what we know to be true is that when you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes residence in you. Now, here comes the point. There's many times the Holy Spirit's trying to do something, and you're like, nah, nah, I'm good. Because he still have the power to be immobile if you want. You can bring the Holy Spirit into any place you want. He's like, hey, let's go there. Hey, let's go here. And you're like, nah, I'm good. Because we can become dormant. We can be like, I kind of like where I'm at right now. But we're called to bring renewal to places all over this earth. This brings to life what we referenced in the first week. We referenced this from Mark Sayers. Renewal is the refreshment, the release and the advancement that individuals, groups, Churches and cultures experience when they are aligned with God's presence. It's a resumption of our God-given purpose to partner with God fully, participating in his plan to flood the world with his presence. That's what that space is. We're no longer isolated to one spot. God's kingdom grows and advances when his temples Take it serious. Take it honestly. Take it humbly and move to those spots. So think about our context as I zero in. We have Holy Spirit spots all over our area. Those are our people. Those are the people of churches. Those are the people of the brothers and sisters of the Lord. Do you see the opportunity? You're like, make the map bigger. I live outside that map. We just chose this map for a map. <laughs> Wherever you are, this is also the great burden to reach those places who haven't heard the unreached people groups is to go there. In some areas, there's an over-concentration of Holy Spirit-filled people, but you may not even realize it. Why is that so? We'll get to that in a sec. You see, there will be a day one day as we look into a future. There's a day coming that after Jesus returns where heaven and earth become one again, just like in the garden. They come together. 
This is called our eschatological hope, the thing we look forward to. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of lamp and the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever, because there's coming a day when we're together. But until that time, we are you, the person sitting next to you. All those who follow Jesus are the mobile temple of God, bringing his spirit into every situation. The issue is that temples become dormant when they're meant to be mobile and active. What happens if you let a car sit for too long? If it's like one of the cars I had, it just dies. And then every six months, you bring the battery back into the port store over here, and they're like, huh, didn't you do this six months ago? And I'm like, I'm going to go to another store. <laughs> because when you don't use something the way it was meant to be used, it dies, it shrivels, it atrophy. God is not looking for atrophy. His spirit is moving in you. There can be a tendency to remain in familiar territory, doing familiar things because familiarity feels safe. And if it feels safe, it feels right, hanging on to something that we've always done. You see, it's not just about going to a new place, though. It's not just, I gotta go somewhere else. It's about bringing something fresh, orienting yourself in your heart to reach maybe new people in that same area. Ask yourself, how can I be the active presence of the Holy Spirit right where I'm at today? How can I be one of the, like, what can I, this isn't in your own strength, though. This is like, where do I want to bring the Holy Spirit? Some of it is a mindset. For years, when I coached football over at Los Gatos High School, when I was in my right mind, if you will, on my way over driving, I'm like, Holy Spirit, Come with me today. I'm going to be the presence of you and Jesus in that field today. Does that mean I started screaming all my players about coming to faith in Jesus? Sometimes. I mean, the coaches I coached would said Jesus a lot more than I did, just in a different reference point. But it helped me focus that my purpose there today was to be there, even though I was coaching football, to be the presence of Jesus how I did it. Absolutely. And were there times after practice, a, a kid on the team, because they were going through something, would say, Coach, can I talk to you about something? Absolutely. It's not because I was something, because they sensed the Holy Spirit in me, even though they didn't know who he was. That's how God works. For us gathered as Calvary Church in Las Gatos, it is for this very reason we don't gather just to consume or observe, which so often is what church is. We just come and take, become and observe. Oh, I like the worship. I didn't like the worship. And I'm like, you didn't like the worship? Well, good thing we weren't worshiping you. <laughs> About Wednesday, that'll be funny. <laughs> Pastor talked a little long. Oh, well. But for us gathered as Calvary Church in Las Gatos, we don't come to consume or observe. My heart is that we gather to empower and release. This is what we're trying to do each and every Sunday. 
We come from a variety of places, don't we, to this place. We get in our car. Some come with our family. Some come by themselves. Some may come from a friend. We're scattered around. We get in our car. We bring all the stuff with us that we've been journeying with throughout the week. And then depending on what time you arrive, you join a group in singing. Then a group, as they start listening to the teaching of God's word, you're, you're seeing other people around you. And then maybe at some point during the singing or during the message, God starts speaking to you. So many times it's not even what the preacher is saying. I know that firsthand. I talk to people after service. Oh, I loved when you said that. I'm like, I didn't say that. Like, no, you did. I'm like, no, I didn't. Now I just go, cool. Because it's God that revealed something to you. But in that moment, we start here. We're gathering as a group. But we get to this point where God starts speaking to you. It becomes personal. You then, you're invited into this time we've been doing for the past few months of listening time with God. That is you and God, just you and him, a time of intimacy with the creator of the universe. That's why we do that. And then it's ministry time. We start coming out of that time of individual time with God, and now we're like starting to do ministry with each other, maybe praying for each other here, encouraging each other here, coming being reminded one by one, this is what Christ did for you. Maybe coming for prayer where we can pray with each other and bless each other. We're starting to get empowered. We're starting to be like, this is what the life is about. The Holy Spirit is regenerating in my life. And then you're sent out to bring what God said to you in these moments back into the world to expand his kingdom as a mobile temple of God. Man, we know there's so much evil in this world. It's obvious. It feels overwhelming. My encouragement for you when you feel overwhelmed by the evil in that world, if you can remember, there's agents and temples of the Holy Spirit all over this world and pray for them. That's why last week we prayed for the churches and the believers in Evalde to be the presence of God for people. Yes, there's issues to address and things to think about and the Holy Spirit being active in those places. But the issue we all face each and every day is that we're perpetually distracted. We aren't persons who live in habitual spiritual awareness who occasionally get distracted. It seems like we are persons who live in habitual distraction who occasionally become spiritually aware. We tend, we tend to be so preoccupied with the ordinary business of living that it takes something huge for God to break through. So what if it were different? What if you took serious and called out those distractions that pulled you away? What if we were different? As we close, let me just read you this short verse. May the peace, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. God bless you. Go well.